section thirty six of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds conclusion of the history of the dressmaker a love story two days after lady caroline jerningham's letter had been sent the marquis of wilmington arrived in london and hastening to hanover square he obtained an immediate interview with his sister pale trembling and unable to endure his glance she awaited in torturing suspense the first words that should issue from his lips and never was relief from agonizing feelings more welcome or more complete than when the marquis taking his sister's hand said in a gentle though mournful voice caroline i am not come to reproach you much less to add to your afflictions by the heartless cruelty and absurd inutility of an exposure no i give you all my sympathy and i thank you most sincerely for having confessed everything that you might restore your friend to my favour lady caroline threw herself into her brother's arms and wept upon his breast but when the emotions attendant upon this meeting had somewhat subsided the marquis said heaven be thanked that julia is innocent deeply deeply as i deplore the sad circumstances involved in your revelation caroline yet it is a relief to know that she that poor suffering wrongly suspected girl is worthy of all my love and if i before loved her if i before esteemed and admired her as the pattern of everything great and noble generous and amiable in woman oh now what strength have those sentiments acquired no time must be lost in finding her out and this moment shall i enter upon the search the marquis then took a hasty leave of his sister and in the first instance repaired to mr richardson to consult him upon the subject without in any way compromising his sister the marquis related enough to let the worthy lawyer know that julia had been unjustly suspected that her innocence was completely established and that he now longed to find out her retreat with the view to make her the fullest possible reparation mr richardson then stated that three days previously a porter had called on him bringing the key of the house at camden town with an intimation that miss murray surrendered up the tenement to its proprietor with all the furniture it contained in fact in the same condition as when the property was made over to her a tear stole into the eye of the marquis as he received this proof of julia's strict integrity and mr richardson advised that an advertisement drawn up in a manner calculated to strike miss murray's comprehension but ambiguous to the public generally should be kept standing in the times and other widely circulated newspapers until her retreat should have been discovered 
the marquis approved of this plan and leaving his solicitor to execute it he departed from the office to pursue his search elsewhere he now proceeded to camden town and having the key with him entered the house but delicacy forbade him to penetrate into any other rooms save the parlours and there he found not a letter nor a scrap of paper that might afford any clue to the place whither julia had retired his heart was heavy his grief was profound and frequent sighs rent his manly breast as he repaired to the cottage where the child his sister's child dwelt under the care of mrs porter his strange manner on his previous visit did not obtain for him a very welcome reception at the hands of that female but when she found that he spoke kindly and inquired anxiously concerning the infant her reserve began to dissipate and she at last thought him a very agreeable gentleman the child was brought to him and he kissed it affectionately an allusion which mrs porter happened to make to miss murray enabled the marquis to turn the conversation upon that loved being who seemed lost to him and now he heard the warmest and sincerest praises uttered in regard to her but not a syllable affording a trace of her present abode in fact it was very evident that mrs porter was as ignorant as himself in that respect and still was it with a heavy heart that the nobleman turned away to prosecute his search elsewhere he had learnt from his sister that julia her little brother and the old housekeeper had taken their departure together in a hackney coach and he concluded that the vehicle was hired from some stand in the neighbourhood behold then this rich and well-born peer visiting all the stations of cabs and coaches in the vicinity and pursuing his inquiries amongst the class of men whom his liberality alone succeeded in divesting of their habitual insolence but still all his endeavours to solve the painful mystery were fruitless and after a weary day's researches he returned home exhausted in physical energy and worn down by mental depression to his magnificent house in belgrave square his reliance was now in the advertisements which were to be inserted in the newspapers but even this hope was almost stifled within him by the reminiscence that julia seldom read the public journals day after day passed weeks glided by these had swollen into months in the lapse of time and winter returned but still no trace of julia in the interval matters of importance had occurred in respect to lady caroline jerningham the child had died in a fit of convulsions to which it was subject and in spite of the tender care of mrs porter and the attentions of the medical man the remains of the infant were interred in the churchyard of old st pancras and the porters who were well rewarded for their kindness to the child from the moment of its birth until that of its death still remain in ignorance of the real name and the rank of its mother not many weeks after the removal from this earthly sphere of the evidence of lady caroline's frailty lord hartley returned home from abroad and his first act on arriving in london was to hasten to hanover square his heart had remained constant to lady caroline 
and he now boldly claimed her hand of the marchioness who received him most graciously there being in the dowager's eyes a vast deal of difference between the noble and wealthy baron hartley of hartley and the poor lieutenant quentin of his majesty's ship the tremendous the morning post accordingly announced the approaching marriage in high life and the ceremony took place in november eighteen thirty five precisely one year after the date of the commencement of our tale thus lady caroline jerningham became lady hartley she was united to the object of her affection but her happiness was not complete every day every hour did she think of poor julia murray and her husband to whom she had confided everything shared in her deep anxiety to obtain a clue to that excellent young woman the marquis of wilmington had put into execution every means which human ingenuity could devise to procure that clue but all to no effect and he now gave himself up to despair his health began to fail him and his appearance speedily grew much altered vainly did his sister endeavour to console him she also required solace and almost in respect to the same cause for if the one mourned the loss of an intended bride the other deplored that of a dear friend i said that the incident of my tale had brought me down to the month of november eighteen thirty five and it now becomes necessary to make some mention of julia murray it was a night of pouring rain and gushing wind as on that when she first encountered the marquis of wilmington and the unhappy young woman was seated in a miserable garret in some street near covent garden market the cheerless chamber was almost completely denuded of furniture and the little that was in it belonged not to her not a spark of fire appeared in the hearth the cupboard door was opened but no food was seen on the shelves and the candle that shed a fitful light around the bare damp walls was every moment in danger of being extinguished by the cold draught from the ill-closed window leaning her head upon her hand and her elbow on the table julia sat gazing down on the upturned countenance of her brother who occupied a stool at her feet pale and wan were their faces gone was the bloom of health from the cheeks of the once happy beauteous boy gone too was the delicate tinge of carnation that had been wont to enhance the loveliness of his sister misery was in that garret misery for two misery for that almost heartbroken young woman and that affectionate grateful boy the want of needlework and illness had plunged julia into the direst poverty she could have borne it all had she been by herself borne it almost without repining but when she looked on the pale face of her little brother saw that he was famishing for want and knew also that he endeavoured to conceal his hunger from her for fear of increasing her grief oh it was this it was this that crushed and overwhelmed her she glanced around there was not an article of clothing that could be now spared to pledge save her scanty shawl and then how could she go abroad to ask for needlework without it heavens twelve hours had the boy already fasted twenty-four hours had elapsed since julia had tasted a morsel of food for she had almost forced the last crust into his mouth 
and now how many hours more must elapse ere a chance might present itself to afford them a meal and if no work could be obtained what were they to do what indeed in the midst of all these bitter harrowing reflections a thought or rather a reminiscence flashed to julia's mind but it was only to plunge her more deeply into the abyss of woe and not to solace her just one year had elapsed since she had first met the marquis of wilmington just one year day for day and through how many vicissitudes had she and her darling brother passed in that period they had known prosperity and happiness they had also experienced the bitterest misery and yet they had not deserved the vengeance of heaven but then those whom the lord loveth he chasteneth still pure and guileless still innocent and artless julia murray's principles had remained unshaken by the rude contest which he had been compelled to endure with the world's ills and her brother was still the same affectionate good endearing boy as when i first introduced you to him oh it was cruel it was cruel that they should suffer thus those poor orphans who never injured a living soul who clung to each other so tenderly and who night and morning put up their prayers to the almighty that he would be pleased to change their wretched wretched lot but alas those supplications so sincere so earnest so respectful and adoring towards the majesty of heaven remained apparently unheard and on the particular night to which allusion has been made do we find that sister and brother on the verge of perishing through sheer destitution harry said julia after a long pause are you not very hungry not very dear sister he returned while tears started into his eyes oh my darling boy you are starving she cried frantically as she strained him to her breast then growing more composed she said but this must not be here harry take this shawl over to that shop which you see opposite give it to any one whom you may see behind the counter and you will receive some money and a small card in exchange then go to the baker's and buy a loaf and return as quickly as you can the boy hesitated and at length said but julia dear what will you do without your shawl you cannot go out and you cannot starve she returned hastily as she almost thrust him but not harshly out of the room then when the door closed behind him she reseated herself and burst into an agony of tears it was the first time she had ever sent harry to the pawnbroker the first time she had ever allowed him to go out into the streets alone after dusk and this was not all that pained her oh she was oppressed with the most direful apprehensions for now she was indeed a prisoner in that wretched garret she could not go out to seek for work and work would not be brought to her and again and again and again for the thousandth time that day did she ask herself what was to be done and what was to become of them while she was wrapped up in these harrowing reflections she heard certain well-known two well-known steps ascending the stairs and now she felt that even the crushing amount of misery which already weighed upon her was not complete the door was thrown open and a stout elderly red-faced woman who had evidently been drinking walked unceremoniously into the chamber now miss she cried almost ferociously 
are you going to pay me the three weeks rent that's due if not be so kind as to tramp and make room for them as will pay cause i've a respectable married couple which is ready to take the place this very night if you will wait a few minutes answered julia in a faint tone i will pay you as much as i can come that won't do for me vociferated the woman i see your brother go out with your shawl and i know what's what but if you're obliged to spout your things to pay a trifle this week how will you be able to pay any at all next saturday much less cash up altogether heavens have patience my dear madam and i will endeavour to pay you all as soon as possible said the poor young woman reduced to despair patience indeed repeated the landlady contemptuously and who will have patience with me there is the taxes will call on monday morning and the water rate has been put off till he's tired of coming near the place so i can't and won't wait no longer for such a beggar as you at this goading insolence julia's grief redoubled oh crying won't pay no bills ejaculated the inhuman landlady and now i think on it i'll just look at the bedclothes and see that you haven't pawned none of the blankets i would sooner starve ay and see my brother perish through want also than commit such an act cried julia starting to her feet while her indignation actually tended to mitigate the acuteness of her grief well i s'pose you're honest said the woman somewhat ashamed of herself but i must have my money to-night all the same if not you and your brother had better turn out at once i repeat that it is impossible for me to pay you all i owe this evening exclaimed poor julia now condescending to the adoption of a tone of appeal and i implore you not to drive me and that dear boy homeless into the streets a pretty gal like you need never want money said the woman fixing a meaning look upon the unhappy dressmaker and if you would only take my advice begone cried julia in a voice so penetrating that it seemed to thrill through the brain of the vile wretch who was about to develop the most infamous resources to the view of that pure-minded girl begone indeed repeated the woman recovering her insolence that's a pretty thing to say to me that you owe money to however once more i tell you that i will be paid to-night or else when my husband comes home from the public-house off you'll bundle thus speaking the wretch bounced out of the room leaving the door wide open behind her julia wrung her hands in despair and again she asked herself those unanswerable questions what would become of them and what was to be done at this moment when her brain appeared to reel and reason was rocking on its throne the sounds of hasty steps ascending the stairs met her ear and she heard harry's voice exclaim up higher still to the very top and up those hasty footsteps came good heavens were fresh miseries in store for her but scarcely had this thought traversed poor julia's imagination when some one darted into the room and as she was sinking on the floor through terror want and exhaustion she was received in the arms of the marquis of wilmington julia dearest julia he cried in an impassioned tone as he strained the insensible form of his beloved one to his breast and that voice sounding on her ear as if heard in the midst of a dream recalled her to herself and opening her eyes slowly she encountered the tender looks that were bent upon her 
is it possible she exclaimed tearing herself from the nobleman's embrace your lordship here yes here to implore your pardon for the past to declare to you how profound is the regret and how bitter the remorse i have experienced for the unfeeling haste with which i judged you on the barest suspicion and to offer you my hand julia added the marquis if you will now condescend to accept it but i need not pause to describe in detail the discourse which now ensued suffice it to say that the nobleman gave the fullest explanation of all that had occurred since he had last seen julia how his sister had confessed her frailty and thus cleared up the suspicion which had so unfortunately fallen upon julia how the child had died how lady caroline had married lord hartley and how every possible search had been made for so many long weary months after miss murray it must be added that the marquis in his almost ceaseless wanderings about the metropolis in the prosecution of that search happened on this memorable evening to pass through the very neighbourhood where julia resided and as harry emerged from the pawnbroker's shop the light flashed full upon the little fellow's countenance which in spite of its altered appearance was immediately recognised by the marquis but little more remains to be told a messenger was instantly dispatched to hartley house with a note from lord wilmington and in less than an hour his sister caroline accompanied by her faithful lady's maid who had charge of a box full of clothes arrived in her carriage at the door of the house where julia occupied the miserable garret affecting indeed was the meeting between the two friends and while the marquis took harry away with him to the nearest ready-made clothes-shop to equip the boy from head to foot in new apparel lady hartley hastily made such a change in julia's appearance by means of the contents of the box before alluded to that when his lordship returned he was charmed to see that though pale she was still eminently beautiful in the meantime the rumour had spread throughout the house how a great nobleman and a great lady had come to take the poor dressmaker away in their carriage and now the vile woman who only an hour before had menaced julia with the ejectment who had insulted her by offering to search the few miserable things in the room to see if any had been made away with and who had hinted at an infamous proposal from which the young creature's soul recoiled in horror and loathing that same detestable wretch was now most assiduous in offering the use of her parlour and rendering herself so officiously busy that lady hartley was forced to order her in a peremptory manner to retire in fine all necessary preparations being made so that julia and her brother might appear in a becoming way at the splendid mansion whither they were now about to repair the happy party entered the carriage which drove straight to hartley house where caroline's husband received julia and harry in the kindest possible manner thus was the aspect of affairs signally changed and from the cold cheerless garret where want stared them in the face were the sister and brother suddenly wafted into the very bosom of luxury comfort and happiness virtue met with its reward after the many trials to which it had been subjected and the numerous temptations it had triumphantly passed through mr richardson the lawyer was overjoyed when the marquis called upon him next morning and related all that had happened and the instant his lordship had taken his departure the worthy solicitor hastened to hanover square resolved if possible to accomplish a certain project which he had in view 
presenting himself to the dowager marchioness he argued with her upon the inutility and injustice the folly and the cruelty of her opposition to an alliance which so nearly regarded her son's happiness and he dilated so warmly upon the good qualities of julia murray that her ladyship who had at first heard him with impatience began to listen attentively in a word mr richardson succeeded in persuading the marchioness to have the credit of assenting to an union which she had not the power to prevent and the policy of this step at last triumphed over her other repugnances she accordingly rang the bell ordered the carriage and proceeded with the lawyer to hartley house where her presence augmented the happiness already experienced beneath that roof thus nothing was now wanting to complete the felicity of all those in whom i hope you are interested and it was astonishing how speedily the bloom came back to the countenance of julia and the ruddy hues of health to the cheeks of little harry six weeks after the discovery of the orphans in their wretched garret julia became the marchioness of wilmington happy happy was that bridal and beautiful was the blushing bride so beautiful that a stranger would not have suspected the privations and miseries which she had undergone and as if heaven in its justice were determined to afford a signal proof that though it can chasten it can also reward as fully from the day that this union took place julia and her brother have not known a care possessing the power to do good the marchioness of wilmington has been enabled to soothe many an afflicted heart and her experience of the past has taught her that the severest misery is that which pines unseen and hides itself in garrets not that which obtrudes itself in the shape of mendacity upon the public eye her secret charities are therefore boundless and the elevation of such a woman to rank and the possession of immense wealth has proved beneficial to thousands i must not forget to observe that the housekeeper who had accompanied her on her departure from camden town and who had subsequently returned home at julia's request to her friends once more became an attendant in the household of the mistress whom she loved and every one who had in any way shown kindness to my heroine when she was but the humble dressmaker was sought out and liberally rewarded by her whose heart had undergone no change although she had become the marchioness of wilmington End of section thirty six